Today we're going to carry on in our series on Matthew, so if you don't have your Bibles, uh, go ahead and grab them, and we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5 still, and today we are going to continue on in the Sermon on the Mount, this, this teaching of Jesus on the kingdom of heaven, this totally upside-down way, uh, totally upside-down from the normal ways of the world. This is what it is to be a follower of Jesus. This is Jesus' kingdom announcement. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he goes on teaching what actually his kingdom looks like. And it's amazing. And we get to follow, as we've looked at, as king, we get to follow his rule, and we get to follow his reign, his heart, and his laws. We get to follow his laws as we just prayed, out of, out of a love for him, out of a great love for Jesus and this relationship with, with Jesus himself. That's, that's why we obey. And of course, as we go through this series, I encourage you, um, I know it's easy right now. There's, we're not in person. It's easy to just grab snippets here and there, but I encourage you to just, just stay with it because as I'm putting together this message this week, I'm so reminded, I'm like, oh man, if anybody's tuning in this time and, and didn't get the last couple, it's going to be so hard to track. But but this is a cohesive book. This is especially the Sermon on the Mount is three chapters where Jesus, it is all tied together. So I just encourage you, keep uh, pressing in and keep engaged with these, even if you miss and have to catch it during the week. Uh, please do so. Uh, it's just a healthy thing for you, a healthy thing for the body as you have conversations about this. And, and it's healthy to actually properly understand what's, what's happening here. So just an encouragement as the Pine Ridge family to be committed to this in this time together for your own growth, but for the encouragement of the church family as well. Uh, last week, last week we looked at the truth that we are no longer under the law because of Jesus and his work. Uh, we don't keep God's law as, uh, as commandments that are over us so that we have to earn our right place or our right favor with God but we actually get to delight in his law because they are good, because we love God, because he has transformed our hearts and we obey him as our king. So we're not under, under a law, but we're in a relationship now with Jesus. And we want to obey Jesus, King Jesus, because we're madly in love with this Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 5.19, as, as we looked at it last week, uh, this is going to work today, right? Yep. Can somebody click the thing? It's not working. That's okay. I, I have it here. Matthew 5, 19. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments, oh, there it is, and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. This clicker's not working. Do you guys know how to turn it on? Under settings, toggle remote. That would be awesome. Thank you. Sorry, guys. Technical difficulties. That's what we get when we're Bare Bones crew here. Um, these guys are doing amazing, by the way. You should see all that everybody has to, like, the two people have to do back there. It's crazy. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments, the commandments that Jesus is about to teach, and teaches others to do the same, will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, we got the clicker working. Thanks, guys. So there's a weight to learning these commandments, and Jesus is going to give us some commandments. There's a weight to this. 
And I'm going to actually share with you, you know, I was thinking, how can I get through these commandments and, and make it so it's a little bit shorter for us to work through Matthew? And, um, and last week as I was preaching I, and, I, and I read this off the screen, I just felt convicted by the Lord that says, whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So call me selfish, whatever you want. Um, I want to teach each section for the next six weeks, um, either me or, or a guest speaker. We're going to work through each commandment of Jesus because he puts a lot of weight on them. And that's where we're going to venture into. There's six different Old Testament commandments that Jesus says. He says, he comes and he says, you've heard that it was said, but I say to you. And there's six times that he does this. He could have said, it's okay, guys, I've got this on the cross, so you don't need to worry about anything. Uh, and you can just live however you want to live. But that's not what he does. He actually steps the bar up a whole lot higher. And he shows that the reality of living in the kingdom of God actually obeys the commandments and the heart of God more fully. It obeys the, his very heart way more fully. And the heart that was behind the commandments in the first place, it's not a, about doing the do's and, 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 not, and not doing the don'ts. It's about heart change. It's about alignment with the character and the heart of God. And these commandments show clearly the heart of God. And by extension, the expectation was, as Jesus said in the very next verse, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, like the, the, the absolute spiritual elite of the day, unless you're way better at keeping the law than those guys, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Like that's, that's, that's intense. And then we get to today's reading, which is Matthew 5, 21 through 26. Have your Bibles with you and follow along, but uh, Brenda Ediger has read the, uh, done a video for today. Good morning, church. Our scripture reading for today is found in Matthew 5, verses 21 to 26. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, You fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still with him on the way, or he may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison. I tell you the truth, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Thank you, Brenda. Thank you for reading that. You know what's really funny? I, I got to tell you guys so that we don't actually get that video in here. It's just dead silent while that thing is playing. That was pretty fun. But thank you. I already watched it a few times. So thank you, Brenda, for submitting that video and for reading. That's the word of the Lord to us this day. You know, I find it fascinating to know that every one of these commandments that Jesus brings up for the rest of chapter 5, it has to do with how we conduct our relationships with people. If you look ahead and you look at the rest of chapter 5, it, every single one is talking about, Jesus is talking about our relationships. These are the commandments that he hits right away. And, and it's a radical call 
to love. And so here's what Jesus says in verse 21. He says, you've heard it was said to those of old, you should not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. So the commandment to not murder, he, he brings this up. And, and I think right away, I mean, for most people, not murdering someone isn't a daily uh, struggle that you wrestle with, you know? Like, I don't wake up, and that's, that's not something that I'm putting my hand up for. Like, you know, I really struggle with, with the sin of murder. Like, not very many people get to that point, right? So it's a pretty safe thing for Jesus to bring up right away. Um, but the thought is, yeah, I can get angry sometimes maybe, but at least I've never, I've never killed anybody. Really, I've never even really wanted to kill anybody. Um, well, it, do you actually think it's a grand success at the end of the day that you didn't murder anybody? No, obviously, <laughs> obviously not. Um, so Jesus goes on. Um, he says, you know, it says you shouldn't murder. But I say to you, so Jesus right away, he flips it, and, and he's, he's this rabbi, remember, and he, he speaks with such authority. He's, he quotes scripture, and then he says, but I say. Wow, that's, that has some weight behind it. He says, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. And so then we just have to pause and say, whoa. Wow. Jesus just likened being angry at your brother or sister, uh, anybody. Um, he just related and likened that uh, to murder. And so we have to. I mean, we could walk away and say, Jesus, that's ridiculous. Or we can come to Jesus as the son of God and the rabbi that we said we were going to follow and really soberly come and look at this phrase that he just said. It's amazing to me that Jesus doesn't need to qualify this statement. He doesn't need to say, this is the heart of God and this is what we're getting at. He just flat out gives a commandment because he, Jesus is God. Jesus is the son of God. He doesn't come out and say, you know, the commandments of God in the Old Testament, there's, here's this new reality of that law. Well, in a sense, he is, but he doesn't need to qualify it. He just says, but I say to you, who can say that but God himself? Who can do that but God himself? And he doesn't even address it, but clearly Jesus is the ultimate authority in the life of a disciple. And he is speaking as if he is God himself. And of course, we know he is. We know he is. He's the king, the one in charge of this kingdom that we've been invited into. And he is the rabbi, the authoritative teacher. Remember? Remember that one? And we, as his disciples, we're expected to pick up, we're expected to listen to and adopt every bit of his belief and his teaching. And we know that that is good. We know that that is good. So we remember those things about Jesus. And now Jesus really ramps up this teaching on what it practically looks like to follow him. And I have to say, right from the top, as we dig more into this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gets into your personal stuff. Like, he does... He, he is not going to just say, hey, yeah, come into the kingdom, enjoy everything, and then leave you as you are. He is going to get into some very personal, deep things in your heart. And so that, that is just right off the top. And, and, and it's a whole new level that Jesus is bringing here. 
And we say, you actually expect us to obey this. I mean, this seems impossible. Jesus basically takes the old law, and instead of saying, you know what, my grace covers it, do what you want, he amplifies it like a hundredfold. Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me, he amplifies it. This is, this is the way that his disciples would be more righteous than the scribes and the Pharisees. This is the way. But what was Jesus up to? Jesus wasn't up to making a new law, remember? He wasn't making a new law to crush us under it because this would absolutely be a crushing law if we had to measure up. There is grace, we know the cross, everything is read through that lens. But what Jesus was doing is he's showing what this new humanity in this new family, in this kingdom, which is on earth now, in part, obviously, and is one day coming back what it actually practically, tangibly looks like in our day-to-day lives. And I think that's wonderful. And I mean, as we read these, we're going to want Jesus to come back more and more. We're going to want Jesus to come and fully establish his kingdom. But we get to intentionally, as we walk with Jesus, learn these ways of his kingdom, and we get to walk into them more and more as we know him, as we just sung about this morning. So I say, come Lord Jesus, and you can say amen to that one in your homes. Jesus cuts to the heart with these statements today. It's not enough simply not to murder someone. It's not enough to not murder someone. Sorry to let you down with that one. Murder is just a symptom of a deeper evil, and that is self-righteous anger. Self-righteous anger. Anger towards a person. Anger towards a person who is made in the image of his or her creator, just like you. Every single person that you've seen. And so as you harbor and keep stewing on anger towards someone, you're essentially deeming yourself as more important, as higher, as more valuable than the other person as as you're harboring this anger towards them. You're essentially devaluing them as a human being. And devaluing another human being is, is vile in the eyes of God. And it cannot be a part of the kingdom of heaven. This is the kingdom that Christ showed us by example is, is all about giving of ourselves. The giving of ourselves for the good of others. That's who is truly great in the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, if you've heard of Jesus at all, you know that. So clearly then, anger harbored towards another is, is totally against the heart of God. It's totally against him. It says, whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Jesus is making this a big deal. Have you ever done this? I mean, I, I know I have. I know I have. And I'm, I'm becoming more and more sensitive to it and to the power of my words by the grace of God. Have you ever said to someone, or maybe even just under your breath, maybe even you've even just thought it. Have you ever, oh, you're so stupid. What an idiot, right? Maybe, maybe it's that person that cut you off, and all of a sudden they're less of a human being in your eyes. And just for that split moment, you say these things, maybe to yourself, maybe out loud. That is offensive to God, and that is not a part of his kingdom. So be extremely careful. Because relationships, relationships are a big deal. Relationships matter greatly to God. They matter a lot. Um, How we conduct our relationships 
here on earth, they, they matter big time to him. And it goes so much deeper than just the urge to hurt someone or resisting the urge to murder. Jesus, he's getting at the heart of the issue. When we keep anger towards someone, we're saying that we matter more than they do. And we do all sorts of things. We do all sorts of things, uh, actions, to that, and we justify them, um, and, we, and we justify our anger. You know, I want to be really, really cautious and really, and really clear here. I'm not saying that it is always a sin to feel the emotion of anger. Jesus himself got angry, and yet he was without sin. God is angry uh, about injustice and rebellion in the world. But I do believe that it is possible to be angry and not sin, but I believe that Jesus is speaking here of the ongoing harboring of anger towards any individual or people group. God is a God of forgiveness, and God is a God of reconciliation. That is his heart, always. That is always his heart. You know, I'm reading through the book of Jeremiah in my devotions right now, and and Israel was just a mess, and they were just horrible, horrible in rebellion against God. And he was angry about it. But the amount of times that God reminded his people, come back, to, he's like, disaster is coming. Disaster is coming. It's coming. It's coming. But, but if you turn back and repent, it would be okay. It would be okay. I would relent. God is a God, first of forgiveness and reconciliation, but he is also just and a judge. And judgment is also coming. And we need to keep these things in mind, especially as we seek to obey Jesus' commandments. You know, I believe that reconciliation is such a central part of God's heart that Jesus actually leaves no room then for us as his followers and as his believers to uh, walk lives of anger and walk lives of division. It's so important to him that it says it even affects our worship of God. We live in a culture, in a society where, um, yeah, I'll, I'll make this statement and, and, and I'll, I'll live with it. Where I believe that if the media that you listen to can make you angry, they've done their job in their eyes. They are, we are in a very polarized, divisive culture where politically, uh, any sphere really, if, if, if one person can get a, another person angry at another, then, then they use that to their advantage. This is a time for the church to shine and not fall into that, to not fall into harboring anger and bitterness and resentment. This is a time for the church to be salt, to be distinct from the world. Matthew 5, 23, 24 says, So if you're offering your gift at the altar, there remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. It's so, this relational reconciliation is so important to God that it actually affects your worship of him. Like you can come to the worship service and I know I've been a part of churches, and now I, I'm fairly new here to, to this leader role, so I, I have the, um, 
I don't know all of your, your stuff personally that great, but I know that there have been times where somebody's sitting on the left side and is angry at, the, at a brother or sister sitting on, on the right side, and there's this division. There's this division, and I can tell you that as, as you're standing there trying to worship God, God actually says just what, what actually matters in this moment is that you guys are right. Jesus praying in John chapter 17, he prayed for the unity of his bride, his church, for his church to be unified. It's so his heart, and it's so offensive to him when we harbor bitterness and anger towards one another. You know, uh, when Jesus spoke these words, uh, be reconciled to your brother, then come off your gift, people would, would walk or ride for miles and miles, many from towns uh, away, to come and offer their gift at the altar, at the temple. Some would come days and days to journey to get there. And so this wasn't like a, okay, you've wronged your brother, you're coming to offer your gift, uh, hop in your car, go for half an hour and come back. It was actually, you've, you've spent a lot of effort, a lot of time to come and honor God and worship him, but there's something wrong with a relationship in your life. You need to actually go back. Maybe you need to go back, three days journey back, and make, as far as it depends on you, make that relationship right. Because that matters to God. That matters to Jesus. That's what Jesus is saying here. These are his words. And so that was a big, 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 big deal. And um, so Jesus, Jesus, gets into, Jesus gets into our personal stuff. Because I don't know anybody that hasn't had a conflict with another person. We're human beings. We live in conflict with one another because by nature, apart from being born again, we are sinful, selfish, and don't like other people when they hurt us. Or, I mean, I mean it's just, we just want us to be the greatest thing ever without Christ's work in our life. That's just how we are. And, and so I want to share with you, uh, I, can't, I can't speak on this topic in any good conscience and not share uh, something about myself that I need to say first. I, I share my stories uh, because I know them best. I know myself the best. Um, and it's, and I, I'm not higher than anyone here, and I know many of you have stories too. Many of you have stories, and that's awesome. That's your testimony uh, of, of God's goodness in your life. But I believe our testimony, uh, as I share, can actually also allow others, allow you to have the faith to say, yes, Lord, do it again, God. Yes, I believe that you do this. And even though I'm not there right now, you can do it again. And that's my heart as I share any testimony up here. I just want you to know that. So, you know, we all have weaknesses. We all have strengths. Um, sometimes our strengths can be weaknesses in moments, and sometimes vice versa. Uh, but I want you to know, I want you to know and I, that I naturally, in the flesh, uh, we, I, I wrestle with anger. I, this has probably been, probably been the biggest consistent wrestle in my life. And, 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 and I don't want to justify it at all. Is it an abusive kind of 
nasty anger. No, it no, it hasn't been hasn't been to that that one that we vilify. But it's but it's still awful inside. It's still awful inside at times. Um, it stems from a combination of many things in my life. But rather than justifying it, I admit that it is wrong, and I repent. And I repent often. I repent all the time of this, and I need to. And and God's been working. Uh, how many of you remember? Um, I don't know, eight, ten years ago, I was uh, up here and I was leading worship, and I had a cast on my hand. Do you remember that? Uh, no. Well, some of you might remember that. Uh, eight or ten years ago, I was up here and I had a cast on my hand. Um, I was so angry at someone, and it was actually a brother in Christ. I was so angry that I was at home and I was stewing on it. I was so angry. I was sitting on the floor and I punched the floor and I broke my hand. And now in hindsight, sometimes Leah and I laugh at that moment, but I was so angry inside. And it was, it was awful to me. It was awful towards that person. It wasn't building the unity that Christ wants, and I was hanging on to this, and I should, should not have. So I was so quick. I was so quick to see the speck in my brother's eye rather than the plank in my own eye. That's what, that, that's what anger comes to. I'm here to th- today, though, to say that God moves hearts. Do I still get angry? Yeah, sometimes I still do get angry, but it's not even close to the same. Not even close. This past week, this past week has been such an eye-opening experience for me. Actually, I, I believe it was a gift from the Lord because I'm naturally really hard on myself. I believe it was a gift from God. We've been praying, right, as a church, that God would break our hearts for what breaks his, right? And guys, the brokenness and the hurt that's in the world, sometimes I honestly can go, could go to a place of anger, self-righteous anger, and just be angry at people. I could just be angry at people. And I want people, when people hurt others, man, so lots of times I'm just like, oh, I just want them to pay for that, you know? And that's, that's, that's a longing for justice that is not ours, because I know who the judge is. That's not our place to bring justice in that way. When I would hear of people rejecting God or hurting others, I would get so angry inside. But now this week, I heard and I talked with many people this week. I had so many good conversations hard conversations. Um, And I believe that God put these people in my path this week because he knew very well what I was preaching on. And and instead of getting angry at these people this week, I found myself on my knees weeping and crying out to God for them instead in compassion. That's not me. (laughs) That's not me, naturally. The amount of tears that were shed for people's hearts has been astounding to me. And I looked back at the week uh, and reflected on it, and like, man, that was, that was a crazy, crazy week. And I was reminded as I'm speaking on anger that, that how far I've come, how far I've come. I have a long ways to go, but how far I've come in this. It's astounding to me, because a few years ago, I would have been really annoyed and angry at the conversations and the things that happened this week. I would have been really annoyed, um, and I would have maybe just thought of, thought of them as an inconvenience on my way to God. If any of you that are watching are those people that I had hard conversations with, I love you. And I'm not angry at you. It's wonderful. 
that is the Holy Spirit. I can only say that that is the work of God in my life. As, and I praise him for it. And, and you know, he can do the same for you. He can do the same for you as you love him, as you love him. And it might not be anger. We're going we're gonna to work through, well, five more of these commandments. It might not be anger. I know some people that I, could not, I just couldn't picture them angry for a second. That's just not their natural bent. But maybe it's some other issue that we get to ask God to work on us by his spirit. Maybe it's lust, which we're going to look at next week. That's a huge one in this day and age. It's been for forever. Maybe making yourself look a certain way by fabricating this image of yourself or, or, or lying about who you are to, to make this image. Or maybe it's looking for revenge or, or maybe it's being exclusive to others and other, other groups of people. You know what? We're all by nature broken and we're all in need of a savior. We're all in need of an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what he came to do. He came and said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. It is at hand. And he went to the cross. He went to the cross and he paid the price for every bit of that sin. Every bit. And then he said he's going to put a new heart in you. He raised from the dead. And you know what? He poured out his spirit on Pentecost. Where? At a prayer meeting. There was a group of people praying. And he poured out his Holy Spirit. And those people were filled with boldness and power. And were transformed by the Holy Spirit. And the Peter that I read in Acts compared to the Peter that I read in the Gospels is a different person after he is filled with the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. It's amazing. God does this transforming work, and he can do it in you. He's doing it in me. We all have this same access to God through Jesus Christ, and we have the same capacity for the transformation of your heart. I just want to pray right now, Lord, give us the faith to believe that that's true. Jesus, I pray that, that you would break through with your truth, Holy Spirit. There are people that believe that there's no way they can get past these things, but you can. You are the God who can do it. Jesus, give us a gift of faith right now. Jesus, meet with people right now. Help us believe that you can do this in us because you said you would. Lord, we thank you that you do. We thank you that you do. You know, Jesus ends the six commandments in chapter five. He, said, he ends it with this phrase in, in, in five, verse 48. He says, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. So he lists these commands and he says, you gotta be perfect just like your heavenly father is perfect. And you say, well, that's impossible. You say that's impossible, but, but church, Jesus makes impossible things possible. And if you don't believe that, you don't know Jesus. Because he saved you, a sinner. He saved you. Absolutely, he makes impossible things possible. It's, he tells us these things. It's, there's, it's just this impossible possibility that only God can do. And it's all under this covering of grace, which is just amazing, and I love it. 
We need to keep treating him as king. We need to keep growing in love of Jesus by spending time in his presence, in his word, in prayer, listening to him. And he's, he's gracious to transform us. It says from glory to glory, one step at a time. It's, it's amazing. We obey his commands and we, we yield our lives to his spirit and we choose love. We choose compassion and, and even brokenness sometimes over the sin of others instead of bitterness and anger. We choose to honor people instead of hate people because our God is a God of reconciling relationships. That's what he's done for me. It's what he's doing for you. It's what we're expected to do with one another. The kingdom we belong to is a kingdom of grace and it's a kingdom of restoration and it's a beautiful thing. Let me close in prayer. God, we thank you so much. It's just, there's so much, so much to this. We have a part to play and we need to obey, yet you enable us anyways. And so God, I, I just see that that's where faith comes in. Faith doesn't say, I'm just gonna sit here and wait till God makes me less angry. Faith puts itself out there and takes the step and says, you know what, I'm not gonna be angry at that person who wronged me. Or I'm not going to leave that relationship that I know I've done something wrong in. I'm not going to leave that alone, unreconciled, undealt with. God, you are amazing. We thank you for the grace that you've shown us, even that we could come before you in prayer, that you would transform our lives and our hearts, that we would be disciples of Jesus, learn your ways. There's just so much, so much to it. So God, I pray that this week, um, God, I pray that we would be people of faith that you've called us to be and step out. It might get messy, it might be, but God, I pray that we would step out in, in that faith that you want to reconcile relationships. That we would step out and 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 apologize where apologies are needed. Maybe things we've ignored for years that are just grieving your heart. God, I pray that, that we would have the faith to take that step and go and do and obey these words. There's, not, there's, there's few things in life that feel better than a reconciled relationship that was once just torn apart. And that's your heart. So God, I pray for your protection and your peace over your people as we obey you in this this week and always. And I thank you for your kingdom of relationships and how you are the ultimate example all the way to the cross. As they were pounding those nails into you, Jesus, you say, Father, forgive them. Help us to love like that love like that, Jesus. We thank you. We praise you. We're looking forward to, to how you're going to work these big three prayer points to, according to your will and your glory. We're looking forward to you continuing to grow our character as we memorize and as we pray 
And Jesus, we look forward to that day when all of this, all of this is just going to be natural and we won't even need these laws because we will live in perfection with you. So we pray, come Lord Jesus. Come now, lead us and guide us and teach us and come again, establish your forever reign here on earth. We love you, our King. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Thank you so much, church. Make sure that if you haven't yet, go onto the website, either on the top announcement bar or on the live stream page and grab that uh, prayer and fasting sheet for this week and really dig in and really pray through those points on there. And I trust that God will move in your heart and he's going to move